Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by editor of TheWolfpacker.com and fellow co-host Matt Carter. A lot to talk about on today's episode. Um, probably some things we'd normally talk about would make the show, but because it is March and because there have been such big headlines for NC State men's and women's basketball over the past few days, we are going to focus on the women's team and then the men's team. Obviously, as everyone knows that's listening to this podcast, NC State lost an instant classic matchup against National Powerhouse UConn and women's basketball in the Elite Eight in the Bridgeport Regional Final. Uh, Instant classic and double overtime. We'll break down our thoughts on that game and what to look forward to in the NC State women's program. What's to come? Uh, Also, Manny Bates entering the transfer portal. Um, not, not, Not good news for Wolfpack fans, but we will talk about the impacts of that decision and, uh, you know, maybe maybe a little silver lining there. I'm sure one of us will have a take here. But, but that's going to be our second topic. Before we get into our first, quick reminders for the listeners and viewers at home. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Plus, you can always watch us on our YouTube channel. Um, and while you're there, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment while you're at it. Lastly, head over to thewolfpacker.com right now. Take advantage of the special deal the On3 Network has going on right now. For just a dollar, you can get a year's worth of premium subscription to the On3 Network, which includes all of the great work at thewolfpacker.com. So be sure to go ahead and take advantage of that deal now. Okay, Matt, let's talk about... uh, Let's talk about the women's tournament. Monday night uh, was not good for my heart. Uh, I, I kept looking at my Apple Watch and seeing my heart rate climb as we get f- as we got further and further into that game. Uh, an instant classic. That's uh, first takeaway. Um, best game of both the men's and women's NCAA tournaments thus far. UConn comes out on top, 91-87 in double overtime. I'd like to start by saying, I'd like to walk back my take from a couple episodes ago. <laughs> I was waiting. Uh, I texted I waiting. Matt. I texted Matt after the game, and I said, I was wrong, and I'll happily admit it on the next podcast. Uh, it, when the bracket was unveiled, we talked a little bit about the Bridgeport region, and I didn't want to hear the bracket bracket path complaints. I didn't want to hear the, you know, the NCAA is out to get NC State because it just feels like it's constant. And and I'm not and I'm not poking fun at anybody that kind of follows those, you know, beliefs. I I, I it's hard not to. It's just kind of exhausting when it just feels like your alma mater 
continuously gets beaten down by fate in collegiate postseason scenarios. But my take was, you know what? If you got if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, and it sucks that you're in Bridgeport, but you know what? I think this NC State team can go do it, and I didn't think that the home crowd would play as big of a factor. Um, I will say that the home crowd, based on what I was able to see on TV, didn't look that electric. Didn't look like Bridgeport was some hostile environment like playing in Reynolds. Only problem was UConn fans outnumbered NC State fans. I think the broadcast said 83% to 17%. Uh, now, there was a strong NC State section right behind the Wolfpack bench. They were passionate. They were standing up the whole time. They were engaged. It was a great women's college basketball environment. But, Matt, here's where my take went wrong. Because I think if, if the fans did not play a factor to the team, the, 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 the Wolfpack was ready to go. You could tell their nerves were there in the first half. You could tell the moment was big for them in the first half. But once they got buckled in, settled in, second half on through overtime, they were poised. The fans were not anywhere near their comprehension of thought. The problem was is that UConn got the home calls, and the officiating in that game was very inconsistent, in my opinion. Uh, of course, you can point to the Kayla Jones missed and one opportunity in uh, which overtime was that? Was that the double overtime, Matt? Far, they, that was the far. Single? Okay. Yep. Anyways, would have made a difference. She goes to the free throw line, makes that free throw. You know, uh, that shot by Jakia Brown-Turner from the corner to end overtime would have been a game winner rather than a game-tying shot. Um, but, you know, uh, it just it you don't want to point to officiating. That's not what lost the game, but it was a factor. And in a game where, I mean, look, it was a 50-50 game. I mean, if you played this game on a neutral, a truly neutral site, like let's say you played this game in Spokane, Washington, I think NC State finds a way to maybe win by one point or maybe UConn wins by one point. But the game, you know, the game was just so competitive. It just stinks because NC State was the one seed and they deserved, if anybody deserved any type of home crowd advantage, it was the Wolfpack. And um, I guess the only thing I could say about my original take that I would still believe is that it's not just an NC State thing. The women's tournament does have a history of making these decisions and punishing or not punishing, but but rewarding, uh, you know, lower seeds with a home court advantage based on bracket unveilings. This is not the first time the number one seed has been put in a tight spot um, against a lower seed in this type of scenario. So it's not just an NC State thing, but it doesn't make it any less wrong. And I hope it's something that the NCAA uh, evaluates moving forward and it's something that gets addressed because it's not just NC State fans that think this is stupid. I mean, look around Twitter. I mean, there's plenty of people out there that that didn't have a dog in the fight that are out there asking, why is the one seed playing a road game? So... There it is, Matt. I, uh, I laid it all out there. I was wrong. I'll happily admit it. I'm not one of these guys that's going to, you know, lean in if I've got a wrong take. Uh, you called it, Matt. You called it. You said, if this is a tight game and it goes down to the wire and that home court advantage was just the edge that pushed the Huskies over the edge, 
would you admit it? Would you would you walk your take back? And I didn't think I would, but here I am, Matt. And it, and it sucks. And uh, there it is. So just your thoughts. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, but just in terms of the, the elephant in the room. Yeah, look, do NC State fans sometimes get a rep for complaining? Yes, obviously. But sometimes it's okay to complain when something's really unfair, and I thought that was the case here. It was unfair. I said that beforehand. To your point, it is not an NC State thing, however. It was a uh, uh, and something that Tim Peeler wrote about in his column. It was a women's basketball issue, and I think maybe there's an understanding that the, the powers to be that made these decisions about the selection, um, which was the chairperson of the committee, the AD at Duke, Nina King, uh, were stuck in old school ways of thinking about the women's NCAA tournament. It's in a different place now. We've got great ratings. The ratings for that game were awesome, NC State, Connecticut. They were awesome ratings for that game. People are watching more and more women's basketball. Ticket sales were strong in, in places that were just random sites, right? They were not necessarily hosting a, a nearby team. Now, they, weren't, they weren't sold out, packed to the brim like Bridgeport was, but they were still strong. And so it was an outdated way of thinking of it. Whomever was going to get put in Bridgeport would going to be put in an unfair situation probably some of this what i i listened to nina keen and i don't want to blame nina keen because the chairperson is just a spokesperson really it's a collective group of people that made that decision for all i know nina keen could have been arguing her butt off trying to get connecticut sent out of bridgeport um if they talked about fairness to student athletes the number one there are four teams that deserve fairness above all others are the four number one seeds. And that's what the regular season is for. That's what the conference tournaments are for. The number one seeds have earned the right to have all the perks, all the benefits, all the advantages, everything. That's what they earned. That's what you play the regular season for, to set yourself up to be in the best possible position and whomever was going to be the one seed in Bridgeport basically was told yeah nice regular season but yeah, we're going to give a team that had a lesser regular season all the perks and advantages and benefits of being a one seed even though they didn't have as good a season as you did and that, that's just a basically unfair and it was a simple solution if the S curve had Baylor as a five and Connecticut as a six switch them they do that in the men's tournament all the time. They adjust teams up seed lines for matchup purposes, for location purposes, whatever. You can do that. Switch them. Put Connecticut at the five overall seed, send them at the number two seed, the Wichita, and put them in the Louisville region, and put Baylor at the number two seed in Bridgeport, the number six seed overall. That is not... I heard Nina King say they didn't want to compromise the integrity of the process. That is not compromising anything. Called common freaking sense. I mean, if any, <laughs> if anything, the... compromising the integrity of the of the tournament was having a two seed, basically have a, a hosting a home game. Yeah, and 
But here's the reality. They made a business decision. We talked about that before. NC State benefited from that one. So to your point, not a conspiracy against NC State. They benefited from that once. Just a few short years ago. I believe it was 2019. They were three seed maybe, four seed, three seed, I believe. And they played a two seed in Greensboro, North Carolina. All right. Now, the reason why NC State was in Greensboro, it wasn't the S curve. It was an economical decision made that this NC State team would help sell tickets. Why do you think UNC, the five seed, was in Greensboro against South Carolina? If for whatever reason in your hometown of San Francisco was hosting a regional and defending national champion Stanford stumbled and slipped to a number two seed, you know where they would have gone? San Francisco. Of course. And look, there's some elements of their decisions that have to be made. They make them in the men's game, but they make them based on your seeding. They try to send the one and two seed to their best places, but the one seeds are taken care of. And I just think the women's tournament committee was stuck in their ways uh, and uh, outdated and not caught up on the modern realities of the game and created an unfair situation. And then she state was the uh, ultimate unlucky group. What I wrote about in my column, what hurts the most, this is a women's court team core. Uh, Alyssa Kinane, Kai Crossfield, Raina Perez, and Kayla Jones. It should be going down in NC State women's basketball history like Monty Tal, David Thompson, and uh, Tommy Burleson on the men's side. This was the greatest women's basketball team in school history. You look at the Final Four, they've beaten Louisville three times in a row. They split with South Carolina the last two years, by the way, playing time they played South Carolina. Clearly can beat Connecticut. Um, they were clearly as good as anybody in the country. They deserve to have Final Four written next to their name on the bios, leading NC State to a Final Four. And fate just hasn't been kind to them. Two years. Uh, 2020, it was a pandemic. Fine, whatever. Last year, the one small weakness they had was short on depth. And Kayla Jones hurts her knee in the first round of the tournament. Jada Boyd gets in foul trouble against Indiana. And now all of a sudden, you're in a tight spot. That happens. Injuries happen in basketball. Unlucky. But this was a, a, a basic human element level of unfairness that was cast upon them. I don't know if NC State went on a neutral court. Paysbackers is paysbackers. <laughs> She's going to make shots. She makes shots, and there's not much you can do about it. She was the best player on the court. Tip your hat. Who to say she wouldn't have gone nuts in Richmond, Virginia, or Greenville, South Carolina, or, or Greensboro, North Carolina, wherever, right? So you can't say that that cost them the game, but it sure as hell didn't make it a fair situation. And... And that, and that's where I hope that those, those uh, four women, particularly the three, I mean, Perez transferred in. The other three have been here four to five years. And they deserved that legacy. And it just felt like fate kept intervening against them to prevent that from happening. And it's one thing to be a natural occurrence. It's another thing to be a group of people deciding to basically put something in your way. And that really what, what kind of hurts the most about it. I thought the game was a phenomenal game. I don't have any beef with how 
things played out. I'm not going to complain about a call here, not about like a coaching decision here or a shot selection there. It took Paige Beckers to make six straight shots in a row and all her free throws for Connecticut to hang in there. If she misses one shot, the game changes. Sometimes you just got to say, you know what? There are only maybe two teams that could have played their best and beaten NC State at its best. And one of them was Connecticut on a home court. And that's what happened. Uh, to your point, I think the bigger issue I have with that missed call was that 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 uh, that was their post player, and she would have fouled out mm-hmm. on the play. And then instead, yeah, you know, who did know? I don't know how the rest of overtime would have played out because, yeah, you, know, you just don't know. But what could have happened is she could not have been available for the double overtime, and she was, and that changed the thing in the double overtime. I mean. They're down to one center at that point because it's a, a, extremely unfortunate that that young woman hurt her wrist early in the game. And that would have left them down to one big who had four fouls herself trying to guard Kunane and the double overtime. Totally changed the complexion of things. Totally changed the rebounding, which was a big factor in that game. Uh, so that, that, that part was myth. I'm not so sure there wasn't a five-second violation on the last inbound pass by Connecticut that might have been missed and that goes to your point they're not going to call that thing in, in Bridgeport Connecticut um, but it was such a great effort they put forth an effort that was final four worthy but so did Connecticut you just have to tip your hat to both teams I watched like a nine minute highlight clip on YouTube I watched it's incredible basketball yeah I mean just Definitely the best NC State game I've seen all year. No question. And again, I, I already said, it, you know, the men's and women's Final Four starts this weekend. But so far through the first two weekends, I, I think that one t- takes the claim of the best NCAA tournament game, men or women thus far. Uh, I'm glad you brought it back to Paige Beckers because with all that said, with the unfortunate context of how the game played out, the deciding factor was Paige Beckers. She took over that game. She, uh, you know, really just claimed her spot as the as the number one player in women's college basketball, and she did what star players do. I would I anticipate that she's going to go on and have more magical moments in the Final Four. I like UConn's odds as good as anybody uh, out of anybody left, and. You know what, Paige Beckers is probably going to be somebody that five, ten years down the road, we're going to be talking about her like one of the WNBA greats. So, stinks that you ran into them. Stinks that that team had a a player like Paige Beckers. I thought, you know, if you compare the rosters top to bottom, uh, you know, maybe NC State. I mean, I thought both of them played amongst their best games, and it showed you. What it showed you is that NC State is right there with UConn. You know, throw out the outcome of the, of the game. Obviously, we wanted NC State to win. Obviously, we'd like to be celebrating NC State's accomplishments with this core group with the Final Four bid over, over a UConn team that has been to now 14 straight Final Fours. I mean, goodness I. When I saw that stat pop up, I knew UConn has been dominant, but I didn't know that they've been to 14 straight Final Fours. That 
is incredible. And for for your program to be on the national spotlight, going toe to toe, toe to toe, double overtime in Connecticut against that program, I know it's not the result we wanted, but man, was it a good luck for the Wolfpack's program. And I feel like in the end, down the road, if we're looking toward, if we're looking at silver linings and looking towards the future, this game. The fact that it was NC State UConn and it was such a high-profile game, this will help the program moving forward with recruiting and image and just really national respect when it comes to future circumstances of seeding and, and, and other types of you know decisions like that. So, uh, you know, I, I thought you know state maybe left a little bit on the table defensively particularly on the first half if you want to go back and maybe critique where you know what went wrong was it a perfect game by nc state offensively in the second half and overtimes it was darn close to it uh first half they missed so many bunnies they missed they missed so many bunnies there were great looks uh and, and defensively you know the backdoor cuts were there for uconn basically all night um, you know, you'd love to have seen on the final possession of regulation, Diamond Johnson dribbles the ball for about 20 seconds at the top of the key. Uh, I think she starts her drive around six seconds, maybe five. Would have liked to seen her her get going a little sooner than that. I know NC State wanted to hold on for the last shot of possession. That means you either win or you go to overtime. That's what you want. But this isn't uh, you're not you're not playing you know Georgia Tech on a on a Wednesday night, uh, and you can just create a bucket like that. There's they've got great athletes. They've got great defenders, and you got to tip your cap to UConn because they played great defense on that last possession and prevented uh, prevented a potential buzzer beater opportunity. But it stinks. Um, and, and just looking towards the future, Matt, um, you know, you've already talked about the core that's going to be leaving this group, but the thing we've talked about all season with this team, it's so deep in that, you know, the second team of this roster would be good enough to compete in the ACC. Um, what do you kind of see as the future of this program? Do you think, you know, I mean, look, the transfer portal is a, is a phenomenon in men's and women's basketball, so NC State's name is is one on a list of select few that you know the best transfers in the country nc state's going to be one of those schools that they're probably considering um got some nice pieces coming back you got diamond johnson is probably your main star coming back you got jakea brown turner coming back jada boyd coming back of course we'll see if there's any roster turnover in terms of departures but i'd like to think nc state could pick up a girl or two in the transfer portal have a good recruiting class coming in and you know, kind of, kind of pick up where they left off last year, and, and make another case at being the best team in the ACC next season. Just, just quickly, Matt, your thoughts on on the future of this program before we get to the men. So I think it's gonna be tough. <clears throat> you know, I would say that uh, first off, you have to acknowledge that there's some teams in the ACC that are ascending. Um, you know, Notre Dame nearly beat NC State, and could very well have all five starters back, depending on what happens with the. They're, they're going to have four and could have all five. Uh, Maya Dotson, their post player, is appealing for an extra year of eligibility, and I think they're confident she's going to get it. Um, 
and certainly Olivia Miles. <laughs> I mean, she's going to be one of the best guards in the country, one of the best players in the country, period. Uh, you know, it took a, an incredible comeback for NC State to, to pull that out in the Sweet 16. I know NC State fans don't want to hear this, but UNG, basically all sophomores this year, and nearly took South Carolina to the limits and Greensboro in the Sweet 16. Yeah, they're headed in the right direction under under their coach, a relatively new coach. Louisville is Louisville. Uh, Florida State just hired a new coach to see what happens there. Virginia Tech kind of a, you know, they, they, they flamed out in the NCAA tournament, but I really felt like they were one of the best teams in the ACC. And they have the best player coming back in Elizabeth Kitley. So it's going to be hard uh, to kind of maintain that level of ACC dominance. That was part of what makes this team so great. It was a damn good year of ACC women's basketball. Should have had two teams in the Final Four, practically. They had four teams in the Sweet 16. I think nine teams made the tournament. You know what NC State's record against all of them that year of ACC basketball was? When once you count both tournaments, it's 21 and 1. And they beat every single team in the league at least once. That's, that's dominating a great league. I think I heard Kelly Gramlitz of the ACC Network say this was one of the best teams in ACC history. And it just didn't get, and that's what adds to the frustration of how it got treated in terms of the draw. I mean, it wasn't just they were one seed, they were one of the best ACC teams ever. And got treated that way by the committee. Again, that goes back to the frustration of it. But I think the starting five for NC State probably fine. Diamond Johnson, I really like Ajaya James, the freshman guard. She, she didn't get as much playing time because they were so deep and talented. She would have played a lot for a lot of other teams. Diamond Johnson would have started for 98 percent, 98% of other basketball teams. Jada Boyd would have started for 98% of other basketball teams. They move into the starting lineup. Still have Jakea Brown Turner. Camille Hobby's very capable. Um, you won't have the height. She won't be probably the All-American that Alyssa Kinane was, but you know, every time Kinane was out with foul troubles or with COVID, it didn't seem like NC State, you know, suffered as much as you might have expected. And there's a reason for that. And her name is Camille Harvey. So you know, they did kind of strike out. They aimed high on the recruiting trail and, and did kind of strike out. And their local girl picked Stanford, uh, point guard. Headed your way, Justin. Pick Stanford. Saw that. You know, I, yeah. I, as someone that cut up the highlights uh, from the McDonald's All-American game last night, it's okay. Uh, she she didn't look that good in the McDonald's All-American game. So. <laughs> and I know that I know there was a tall post player that headed to Miami. I think that came down to NC State in Miami. That she was top twenty-five in the country. So. You're right. I suspect, though, if you're in the transfer portal, NC State becomes a little bit of a destination, not only because of the success, but you're saying this is a high-profile top-five program now, and they're losing four starters. So there's playing time available. Uh, so I, th I think you probably see a couple. I, I think they might should try to get somebody with a little bit of height to help out in the, in the post-depth. Maybe a shooting wing type, and then you have to kind of see what happens at the point guard position. You know, you do have Genesis Bryant played a little bit last year. She's going to come back. See what, uh, you know, 
willing to play behind Diamond Johnson or with Diamond Johnson in the age of the portal. You just you, those are the type of questions you have to ask now, right? Like we're about to talk about on the men's side. So, um, yeah, that that'll play itself out. And I, I just hope that uh, Westmore and his fellow coaches can recover quickly enough. It, it's it's got to hope for them too, and you know. Unlike the players, they, they can't really wind down too much because they got to jump into it and work on putting up the finishing touches. And they got to smile and put on a happy face to a potential transfer when deep down they probably believe would just rather be, you know, sitting in the sitting on their couch drinking a beer and wondering what could have been. I wanted to transition to men's basketball right now, but you brought up something that I think we need to address. So last thing on the women's game. What do you think was said, or maybe this was revealed in the post-game press conference, between Gino Ariema and Wes Moore at their meeting after the game? Um, for those that you know aren't, aren't recalling the moment, it was kind of an awkward moment where Wes Moore and, and Gino were going to do their handshake, and Gino's like exacerbated. He's got his hands out. He, he, he's basically saying, hug me, brother, and Wes Moore... I mean, he didn't want to be. He didn't want to be around a single soul. I mean, he he he. It, it it was like the soul had escaped his body, and you know he gave him a hug back. He was polite. He didn't he didn't go Jawan Howard on him, um, although would have been understandable in that moment. Possibly, I think they're friends, right? They they actually are really good friends. So and yeah, supposedly um, West said that Gino complimented entry state and said he wished that they didn't have to play that he wished they were playing in the final four instead of the elite eight yeah um i'll tell you listening to gino's post-game press conference felt like it's a coach who was so emotional on two fronts emotional that his team pulled out that game and emotionally sympathetic for nc state that they aren't in the final four and he even stopped himself at one point. And I was wondering what he was going to say. Because he said something about maybe if. He said, well, doesn't matter. And I was wondering if he was going to say maybe if this hadn't been in Bridgeport. Or if, you know, maybe if it had been a different location, it would have been a different. different. But he was genuinely uh, empathetic for NC State. He knew that. That was a team that had put together an incredible performance. He said it was the best game he had ever coached at Connecticut, seen at Connecticut while coaching. And he's seen a lot uh, of basketball. Yeah, and that he was. You know, he's been there since 1985. Yeah. In fact, he loved, I, he seems to have a soft, he calls NC State State, which is interesting. And I go, I know, you know, he was an assistant at Virginia for a long time before he took the Connecticut job under Debbie Ryan. And uh, so he knows him. He calls him State. That's how he's familiar with him. And talked about how Reynolds Coliseum was one of his favorite venues in the world. Um, he really look, and then they joke. You know, apparently they were joking at some point before or after the game. How West said, you know, they got the home and home with Connecticut, and West believed that that game should have counted as the home game for Connecticut. So now they just got to play the game at Reynolds Coliseum. And yeah. you know, said he said no coach you or he said no west you got to come to you, you got to come to campus um 
but he, he was really looking forward to getting down to Reynolds College here. Is that um, next season or the season after? Does the state go up to UConn good. first? Yep. Okay. I go to UConn first, and then UConn will come down to NC State. So. We'll circle so, that uh, game. Circle yeah. that game on your schedule next year. <laughs> I think uh, Wes was in the mood of, uh, I just lost my puppy. You know, <laughs> you, know you, you know, that when you lose your dog, you really just don't want to be around anybody. Um, yeah, I don't think it was animosity towards. No. Towards it was Gino at all. Yeah, Gino was coming for the conciliatory hug, and right at that moment, West was, I think, still very much processing everything that had just happened. So. Well, anyways, we will talk more about the women. I'm sure some during the summer, and definitely going into next season. So. Uh, what a season, what a year. Couldn't be prouder as an NC State alum of this group, the way they represent the university. Um, and let's talk about the men. Manny Bates. Uh, don't uh, Is he officially in the transfer portal, or has he simply announced it yet? Is, is, is the name Manny Bates in the portal? Yeah. No, okay. he's done. Okay. Uh, I wasn't trying to get at anything there. I just, I just you know, I, I, he's gone. He's gone. I know that. I know that. Yeah. But uh, I'm just going to toss this to you, Matt, because uh, I've got my opinion on this. I'm curious to know yours first, however. Uh, Manny Bates entering the transfer portal. Uh, everyone that listens to this podcast knows what we're talking about, but a quick recap. Obviously, missed the entire season last year, was supposed to be the star center for NC State last year, was supposed to you know, theoretically go to the NBA draft after this last season if he was going to be, you know, an all-ACC type of player in the post. And, of course, he gets injured in the first game of the season, um, misses the entire year, is a full participant with the team, sits on the bench, goes to the practices, does the community outreach stuff, and then the season ends and Manny Bates officially announces that he is not going to the pros, which is what NC State fans were initially worried about but rather is going to enter the transfer portal and go play college basketball somewhere else. So, Matt, your thoughts on the move for Manny and how this impacts NC State basketball going into next season? Nothing good about it, that's for sure, when you talk about the impact on NC State. I mean, that's, it's, it's, I mean, you know, you had your best case scenario and your worst case scenario, and this is a step towards the worst case scenario in terms of roster turnover at the first step towards it. I, th- I think some of the moves that have already happened are some of those that I, I have to put it bluntly, could probably help both sides of the equation, right? A player and program might be better off under those their moves, but this is the first time where it's like this is the one that hurts the program uh, that it's trying to bounce back if you're looking for a bounce back season next year and yeah, only Manny. I think we'll learn a lot about Manny when he makes a decision about where he goes. And uh, you know, if you if you see him ended up at like a George, you know, last summer, as you know, all the rumors were Georgetown, right? Manny basically going to transfer to Georgetown. Well, if he turn, if he ends up at Georgetown after the year he's had, after the year they had at Georgetown, then it goes to show you that this was probably a business decision. Yeah, as much as anything. Yeah. If he uh, turns up at a Kentucky, still may have been a business decision, but at least you can say it's the guy who was looking to go to somewhere high profile where he was more confident about how things shape up next year 
than maybe at entry state. And then that comes a little bit more understandable. So I think once we find out where Manny goes, um, that'll tell us a lot about the why this decision happened. So it's not a good, it's not, it's not good news for NC state fans. I'm not going to try to act like it's not, but my initial reaction to this, Matt is not, I didn't hit the panic button. I mean, the, look, the panic button was hit a long time ago. Uh, but let's, let's, let's look at Manny Bates's track record at NC state. Uh, you know, he's missed two seasons with injuries. Uh, he's had one strong season in the ACC. There was no guarantee that he comes back next season that he's going to be some all-ACC performer, and that's assuming that he stays healthy all season. I mean, you know, we had known that, you know, maybe that shoulder during the summer was a little hurt, tried to give it a go. First game, you know, he gets he gets faces, faces a little bit of physicality and immediately heads to the locker room. You know, who knows if there's permanent damage to that shoulder? I mean... I, I don't want to see that. I, I hope that's not the case. I hope he's got a good rehab and he's and he's going to recover. And he's I, I hope the best for his future because I really think he's a good, good dude. From every interaction we've had in press conferences, seems like a you know, just a stand-up human being. Um, was always passionate about NC State. Y- you know, you hate to see this decision, but at the same time, Maybe it is a business decision. You know, we, we, we don't know if, if there's some NIL deal out there that, you know, could benefit his family. And, I mean, let's be honest. He's a traditional center that has injury problems, and that's no guarantee at an NBA future. Um, now, if, you know, he stays healthy and he continues to improve on his offensive game and becomes a better rebounder and the shot blocking maintains, then, yeah, you could possibly see him going on to the NBA and having – some sort of career, but th- there's no guarantees. And if there's any type of money on the table, maybe he's trying to, you know, go ahead and take that now while it's still there. I, but look, there's no guarantees that Manny Bates is going to, was going to come back and be a great player for the NC state roster. The entire next season was going to rely on how Kevin Keats does with bringing in talent from the transfer portal. Anyways, like, like Manny Bates comes back Maybe Darion Sebron or Traquavion Smith comes back. One of those guys come back. That was kind of our best case scenario that we had been forecasting. If that happens and, and Kevin Keats strikes out in the transfer portal again, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're still looking at a team that's on the bottom half of the ACC, most likely on the outside of the NCAA tournament looking in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you hate to see a fan favorite like this leave, and, and you hate to see how, you know, if he was going to, in hindsight, you wish he had just transferred last season as opposed to this year. I mean, that that's the only thing. It's like, be careful what you wish for, NC State fans, because remember when all those rumors were going on about Georgetown and, oh, this is going to be the end of the world, and then there was celebration when Manny Bates finally decides to come back to NC State? We don't know how the future is going to unplay. And had we known what was going to end up happening, well, NC State fans might have had a different perspective last year. They might have said, you know what? go ahead and move on to Georgetown and we'll go find somebody in the transfer portal. And maybe, you know, maybe we can find some, some replacement big going into the season, but you didn't know that hindsight's 2020. Um, so yeah, I mean, to me, it's very simple. The future of the Keats program at NC state completely relies on his success in the transfer portal this off season. It's a very, very crucial off season for Kevin Keats and Wake Forest did it last year. 
you know, there are programs that are built on building rosters just on a summer's worth of off seasons. Look at Baylor. They won the national championship last year. That team was comprised completely of transfers. So it's possible. And I, I'm not saying that there's not any hope out there. It's not the outcome that we wanted, but I could, I could, I could see this six, 12 months down the road, NC state fans being like, eh, whatever. If um, last year, Iowa state was two and 21 made the sweet 16 this year. Last uh, year, Miami was 10 and 17. They were a good second half against uh, Kansas away from being in the final four. Last year, Wake Forest was 6 and 16. If they had scheduled better, probably in the NCAA tournament. And if the ACC would have gotten the respect it deserved, uh, not necessarily owned, but in hindsight deserved, they're probably in the NCAA tournament. So in today's college basketball world, you can make dramatic improvements from year to year. It can also dramatically go the other way for you, as we just found out at NC State. And we've seen elsewhere. Look at Duke, terrible last year. Look at Carolina, terrible two years ago. Look at Virginia, national title in 2019, NIT afterthought in 2022. There's no such thing as a program anymore in college basketball. Done. It's one of the problems this sport faces. It's zero continuity. But on the flip side of that, that does allow you to have dramatic turnarounds. You just got to hit it so well in the portal. No shortage of names. It's ridiculous, but there's no shortage of names. There are like a thousand names now in the transfer portal. You got to go find your Alondis Williams and your Jake Clavidia and schedule smarter than Steve Forbes did at Wake Forest. Um, I think losing Matty Bates kind of further puts you a little bit back a little bit firmer against the wall than it was before, or it would have been otherwise. But there's no reason to cry. I mean, my attitude is this. He's moving on, so you have to adjust. I mean, time spent moaning and complaining and being frustrated about everything is time wasted. Got to move on. You can't. You got to hire two new assistant coaches, and you got to get to work in the portal. And there's got to be some urgency about it. Yeah, don't. You can't. Nobody can be sitting around complaining and being depressed. It doesn't do anybody any good. So, you wish Manny the best and move on and and find find something. So, uh, just a couple more thoughts on this. I've seen. some knee-jerk Twitter reaction, uh, you know, coming out and acting as though this is Kevin Keats' fault. It's not like Kevin Keats was not trying to keep Manny Bates, and it's not like he's the only head coach in the country that's going to run into this issue in the summer, asking their star player, please return, please don't go to the transfer portal. And as as great as those relationships can be, at the end of the day, the players now have the power to do what they want, and you can't control it. And uh, I, to me, this is not a decision that's reflective of Kevin Keats. To my knowledge and to you know, every track record of history since Manny Bates has stepped on campus, they have had a great rapport, a great relationship. It's probably nothing personal. Look at Walker Kessler last year, UNC. 
Hubert Davis steps in as the new head coach. He's begging Walker Kessler to come back to UNC, hoping that they can build around him as you know one of the top centers in the league. Walker Kessler goes to Auburn. UNC fans complained about that all the way through a couple weekends ago. And now they feel like they won the transfer portal trade because they got Brady Manick out of it, who has been spectacular in March and has been a big part of UNC's run to the Final Four right now. So, again, it's just the randomness of the after effects of what's happening here, to me, changes, you know, it, it, it's not Kevin Keats's fault, okay? That, 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 that is my take. It, you know, you can complain about other aspects of what you don't like, but a player deciding to move on, like, there's, what, name a head coach that you're like, okay, he, he's, he's going to be able to keep everyone on his roster. There's no head coach in the country that is keeping everyone on their roster. Like, this is just a part of college basketball. And the second part of it where I understand the complaints and I understand where NC State fans are at right now mentally is this was just really, really, really bad timing for this news to come out. It was the morning after NC State loses, uh, you know, take your soul out of your body type of loss at UConn for a spot in the Final Four. Such a big game. There was already the frustration about where that game was being played. And then you combine that with the fact that both of your arch rifles, UNC and Duke, are about to meet in the Final Four. And that's all anybody wants to talk about, especially in the triangle area. I can understand why the ant nest of NC State fans is riled up right now. And yes, it was bad timing on the Manny Bates end. But you know what? Let me leave you with some words of encouragement. Uh, I don't know who to credit for this one, and it's kind of a lame quote, but it's always darkest before the dawn, NC State fans. And we're approaching the end of our winter season. We have spring sports coming up. We'll see what the baseball team and all the other great spring programs are able to do. Then we're going to go into summer, and you know what comes after that, NC State fans? Football season. And there's going to be a lot of expectations going into this football season. But you know what? For all of the misfortunes, for missing the holiday, for football team having the holiday bowl canceled the same day against UCLA, for the baseball team to be to, to miss their opportunity to compete for a college World Series and possibly win home, bring home a national title, due to COVID in Omaha. And then for this, you know, the recent case of the women's basketball team having to play an Elite Eight game on the road as the top seed in their region, all that, take all that into consideration. Would you trade all of that for an ACC football championship? It's certainly on the table this fall. It's certainly on the table this fall. And I'd like to think that there could be some sort of redemption story for the athletic program as a whole. Thayer Thomas, or excuse me, uh, I, for, I forget who, t uh, was it Thayer Thomas that tweeted this out? Thayer Thomas tweeted out, you know, eventually it's going to give, right? Eventually it's going to give, and we're going to keep chopping, and we're going to keep grinding. The football team's taking note, and uh, Matt just left Pro Day yesterday. Look, a lot of good things happen in that football program, a lot of good things happen in the women's basketball program. I think eventually... The luck is going to go the other way for, for this program, and uh, you know maybe the football team can do something about it. But uh, anyways, that is going to do it for this podcast. 
Matt Carter has silenced himself because there are people chattering in his background in his room. So I get the privilege of wrapping up this podcast for the loyal listeners and viewers at home. Look, I'm right there with you. I'm an NC State alum. I root for NC State. I'm not trying to pretend like I don't. I'm hurting with you, man. I'm hurting with you, and I'm I'm just I'm speaking from the heart. So uh, that's going to do it for this podcast, by the way. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Plus, you can always watch us on YouTube, where you should subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment while you're at it. Also, uh, head over to thewolfpacker.com. Take advantage of the special deal the On3 Network has going on. For just a dollar, you can get a year's worth of premium subscription to the On3 Network, which includes all of the great work at thewolfpacker.com. Plus, you should follow us on social media. Uh, you can give us a follow at the Wolfpacker on Twitter. That's the main account. Uh, you can follow me personally at Justin H. Will on Twitter and give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on thewolfpacker.com. So for Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.